Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> Kia ora, everybody. I'm Jordan, host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. It's my hope that you find support and comfort in these stories, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you today's episode. Just a reminder before we get started that these are personal experiences and you should always seek medical advice before making any important decisions. I'm not an advocate for any particular model of birth or birth care, and this is simply a platform to share these empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Jess about the birth of her beautiful son, Roman. Jess is a single mum and she is also in her early 20s and she takes us through the experience of falling pregnant and how she's adapted to life as a mum. She also talks us through her quite traumatic birth experience which definitely didn't go the way that she thought it would and she talks through how that impacted her mental health and her sort of job and and role as a mum and yeah she takes us through all of that information as well as her breastfeeding journey and the different support that she had. And I think it's really interesting to hear from Jess from a young mum's perspective on how the system or different healthcare providers have given her advice on what to do versus maybe how that would happen with someone who was a little bit older. So she stuck to her guns, she trusted her gut instinct, and at the end of the day, I think she's definitely done the right things throughout her pregnancy and postpartum journey. But yeah, a really interesting episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Jess is really lovely, and I'm so grateful that she was able to share her story with us. So thank you, Jess, and let's jump into the episode. Hi, Jess. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thank you for having me. No worries. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who's in your family? Yeah, so I'm Jess. I'm 22 and my son Roman is nearly 14 months. Um, It's just us and yeah. Awesome. And whereabouts in New Zealand are you from? We live in Christchurch. Awesome. And how did you end up finding out that you were pregnant? So I felt a little bit sick. Um... I was at a cafe with my sister and I was drinking a coffee and I just just didn't feel right. I think I might have been uh I was I think I was due for my period in one or two days. Um so I texted my mum kind of as a joke and I said, Can you bring home a pregnancy test? Um and she's mm-hmm. like, Yep, okay, cool. Um, didn't think anything of it and she said to me, Take the test after dinner because um, I was going over for a family dinner and I said no no I'll take it now like it'll be negative so I went to the bathroom took it and it was positive um, the second line was very very faint my sister was like oh like it's just a it's just a faint line like you won't be pregnant and I was like no <laughs> like, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely pregnant um, so yeah I found out that night I think I was only uh, like not even two weeks pregnant. I was really, yeah. really early on. Yeah. And how were you feeling? Did you have many symptoms sort of around that really early stage in your first trimester? Yeah, I was really surprised how 
um, how early the pregnancy um, symptoms hit. I was really nauseous from about three weeks. Um, I think about four weeks pregnant, I had really bad cramping and I went to the doctor and they thought the pregnancy might have been ectopic, ectoptic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so they sent me for an ultrasound and they said, no, um, everything's okay, but we can't see, we can only just sort of see a sack. So we're not sure if it's viable. Um, so then I went back a few weeks later and there was the wee heartbeat, which was so exciting. Um, and from then on, my, my morning sickness was just awful. I was vomiting, um, 10 times a day. My blood pressure was really low, so I was fainting all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just so tired. Um, yeah, I just just wanted to spend the whole day in bed. Basically, it was it wasn't fun. Yeah, yeah. And how did your pregnancy sort of progress from there? Did your symptoms die down in the second trimester, or what did you find that was like? No, I I had morning sickness my whole pregnancy, um, and it wasn't just morning sickness. It was yeah, it was morning, lunchtime, dinner. It was um, all day, every day. I was on some okay medication um, that yeah, it helped a wee bit, but I ended up losing. I think it was ten or fifteen kgs. I was always Mm -hmm. in hospital um, just after I was getting like fluids and. my iron was low and at the time I didn't announce my pregnancy um I think I was 20 20 weeks 22 weeks um so no one really knew and I was running a business well I still am but I was um you know working from home and I was flat out but I was um just so sick and I had I have a dress hire mm. business so I would someone would come pick up a dress and I would like open the door, give them the dress and just puke. Um, And this happened so many times and no one knew what was going on. So that was really hard to hide. And um, and yeah, so the morning sickness just never, never really went away. Yeah. And was it hyperemesis or did they just say it was just really bad morning sickness? I was never officially diagnosed with anything, but I Mm. think, I think looking back now, um, it definitely could have been. I think on some of my paperwork it does say that, but they never, yeah. you know, said to me that it was that. Yeah, right, yeah. And did you do all of the sort of standard testing that we offer in New Zealand throughout your pregnancy? Did you find out the sex and everything like that? Uh, yeah, I did. So I found out the sex at 20 weeks. Um, I ended up... The day before my scan to find out, I ended up in hospital with a kidney infection. Um, but at the time, they didn't know what it was and they wanted to do. We couldn't find a heartbeat on the Doppler. So I got a scan the next morning. And after it was a whole a whole big drama about an ambulance ride, um, a few different hospitals. And they said to me, like, do you want to know the sex? And I wasn't planning on – I was planning on doing, like, a gender reveal. But I think – that you know the last 48 24 hours I didn't know if my baby was okay um mm. they sort of braced me for going into early labor that they thought it was early labor um so as soon as we found out the baby was moving I just wanted to know what it was so yeah I found out and that was amazing I'm so glad I found out mm. 
Yeah, awesome. Very cool. And did you do antenatal classes or any other type of birth education to prepare for your labor? Yeah, so I did a a plunket. I think it was a young mum group, which I didn't intentionally do that one, but I'm really glad I did. Um, I met some amazing friends and, um, yeah, the groups were really helpful. I wish that I prepared myself a bit more. Um, I didn't really... um, I didn't really focus on the birth. Um, I just focused on, you know, making sure everything was ready and the safety and the car seat and the pram and things like that. Not so much. I didn't focus too much on preparing for the birth, which looking back now, I definitely regret. Yeah. And did you sort of talk through much of a birth plan or anything with your midwife or you didn't really think about it at all? No, we never really talked about it. The only thing I said was, I would like to give birth at Crushed Women's in case I wanted an epidural. Um, but yeah. my sort of the plan in my back of my in the back of my head was a water birth would be cool. Um, so that was I wanted that as an option. So the sort yeah. of rough plan was give birth at Saint, uh, give birth at Crushed Women's and then two hours later get transferred to Saint George's. But no, no proper plan. Cool. And did you do anything in preparation for birth? I know that like there's lots of things that you can find on the internet, like antenatal expressing and raspberry leaf tea and eating dates and perennial massage. Did you do any of that? Yeah, so I did the raspberry leaf tea. Uh, I was drinking them, I think, from maybe 36 weeks. Um, yeah. I didn't I didn't do the expressing. Um I saw a lactation consultant when I was pregnant and she said I may have trouble uh, breastfeeding So, um, because I had had previous surgery on one of my breasts due to um, a cyst and just a few other issues like that. Um, so, yeah, we I never really tried the expressing. Um, yeah. I ate a lot of dates mm-hmm. um, and when – when it got closer to the time I was doing like the bouncing on the ball and the walking and the hot curries and yeah. all the other mm-hmm. sort of things you hear. Yeah. Cool. And who had you planned um, to have at your birth with you? Uh, I didn't really honestly even think about it. I live with my dad, but I was planning on um, ringing mum when I was in labor and having her. Um so yeah, just mum, mum really. Um, my sister flew down a week before I was due um, because I had, I thought I was going into labour and she wanted to be there, but unfortunately, I didn't go into labour when she was here. So yeah, just mum mm. and the midwife. Yeah, cool. And did your labour end up starting spontaneously? Do you want to take us through that and how far along you were? Yeah, so I was 41 weeks um, and I was just convinced that he wasn't coming. I was so mm-hmm. over it at this point. I was in so much pain. He was posterior, yeah. um, so he was back to back. The The pain in my back was just unreal. And I didn't really know what posterior meant. Um, I hadn't heard all the stories. All I knew was his spine was against my spine. I didn't know um that birthing would be any different um so at yeah 41 weeks um 
I decided to go for a sleepover at a friend's house. She had uh, her baby would have been about four or five months old, I think. And um, we just sat up all night eating pizza and just laughing. And then I went to bed. I think I got an hour sleep and I woke up and I had period cramps. Oh, sorry. Previously, I had two stretch and sweeps, which resulted in like a bit of bleeding and cramping. I had had really bad Braxton Hicks for for a few weeks. So I had the period cramps. I didn't really think anything of it. Um, and then they kept getting stronger, kept getting stronger. And then I sort of went, oh, shit. Like, I think I'm, I think I'm in labor. <laughs> yeah. And so from there, how did your labor sort of progress? And when did you end up going to the hospital? Do you want to take us through that? Yeah. So my midwife always said not to ring her until I think it's three is it three contractions in five minutes lasting 20 seconds, something like that. Um, So I got to the stage where the pain was just too much. So I rang my midwife and I rang her a few times and she didn't answer. I think it would have been around 8am. So the contraction started properly, maybe around 5am. So 8am, I rang her. I just wanted her to check me, make sure everything was okay. Um, so didn't hear back. So I rang the backup midwife and she came over and I was <clears throat> I was three centimetres and she said, Yep, you're doing well, like we'll um we'll get in touch with your main midwife and you can, you know, go to the hospital when you're ready. So she left and then I think it was eleven o'clock, the pain was just too much. I um couldn't talk. I was just I just wanted to go to the hospital. Um, I had had no painkillers. I, yeah. So I rang the midwife and she said, "Oh, I I just have to go um, give another woman woman a stretch and sweep. So just hold off an hour or two. Like it'll be okay. I'll meet you there at one o'clock. So twelve o'clock comes around and I was like, No, I need to go to the hospital. Like the pain is is too much. So." drove to the hospital which was only about 10 minutes but felt like the longest drive of my life um (laughs) got to the hospital and mum was like oh you know you'll just be you'll probably be four centimeters I was like yeah probably but you know I want an epidural (laughs) this is too much so (laughs) get to the hospital get into the room I'm screaming and one of the midwives was like can you please just like shush and I was like what um (laughs) So jump on the bed, get the gas going, and my midwife comes and checks me out. And she's like, oh, my God, you're nine centimetres. And I was like, what? Like, this this baby's <laughs> about to pop out. Um, She's like, yeah, you're eight to nine centimetres. Um, so I was like, okay, great. Um, I would love an epidural. <laughs> like, my water still hadn't broken <laughs> at this point. Um, the pain... Yeah, the pain was just too much. So she's like, are you short? Because you might not have enough time. I was like, no, no, I'm sure. So she broke, so I got the epidural. They broke my waters. And then um, I think she felt um, inside and said something doesn't feel right. So they got some people to come in and they gave me an ultrasound um, because they thought he was breech. Um so they talked about a C-section and then they came in and said, oh no, he's posterior 
but your waters haven't broken properly. So that's what that's what I could feel. So they finished breaking my waters and said, okay, he's posterior, um, which I knew. Um, so we will just let you push. Um, oh, sorry. I think they said you have to wait an hour because he's so high up that if you push now, nothing is really going to happen. So I got mm-hmm. the EP. I waited an hour. I was just, you know, chilling on my phone. It was really peaceful at this point. Um, still a bit painful, but just some, just instant relief. Um, so an hour goes past and she's like, okay, you can start pushing now. So I'm pushing, I'm pushing and nothing's really happening. Um, I really loved pushing. I felt like my whole birth, that was the most empowering, empowering bit of the birth was definitely the pushing. Um, so it got to two hours and they're like, okay, you can't push anymore. I'm sorry. Um, all these people came in and said, we're going to have to take you to theatre, um, sign these papers for a blood transfusion, a C-section, um, and they talked about potentially forceps and in- like instruments that I had never even heard of before. Um, so we get to theatre and a lot of this is a blur. Sorry, I'm shaking right now. This part is... Yeah, this part's quite a blur. So we get to theatre and I get a spinal block. They put a sheet up in case of a C-section. And I'm like, please just let me, just let me keep trying. Um, I don't know why I didn't want a C-section. It wasn't, I don't know. I just thought it would be safest for me and for him. So they, yeah, so they let me push a few times and he ended up being delivered with force, with Keelan forceps, um, and they had actually tried to turn him, they had tried to put their hands inside me and turn him unsuccessfully. Um, so the forceps, I had an episiotomy and um, yeah, so he was born that way. Even with the forceps, he never turned. He was really stubborn, really comfortable up there. Um, so that resulted in me having a third degree tear and losing two litres of blood so I was sort of drifting in and out of consciousness at this point. Um, he was born and he wasn't breathing. Um, he wasn't crying. The f- The first thing I said after like maybe 20 seconds, I sort of realized like, oh, like he's he's not making any noise. Mm. Um, so they took him away and I still had a sheet up. And I remember I, I moved my hand um, on my leg. She's like, no, like move your hand, please. And I lifted it up and there was just blood. And she said, um, okay, you're bleeding quite a bit. Like the anaesthetist at my head, I think she was holding my hand and she was she was absolutely amazing. She just said, You've got um you've got a bit of blood, we can have to stitch you up. So um she kept saying, fifteen more minutes, fifteen more minutes. Um and then I think about Half an hour later, they brought my son over to me and I was still, I was in shock because I had lost so much blood. I was receiving mm. blood transfusions on the table. I had three blood transfusions um, and they brought him over to me and I didn't, I didn't get the skin to skin, the delayed cord clamping. I didn't get, you know, that, that first um, latch that I wanted. I, the idea 
everything that I did want sort of went out the window. Um, I didn't even want to look at him. I was just in complete shock. Um, Hmm. I, yeah, it was, yeah, I, yeah. So after that, two hours went by and they finally stitched me up. So what had happened was he was in my vagina for so long that the walls just kept breaking. So when he put a new stitch in, it would just wrap. Um, Mm. So they couldn't control the bleeding for quite a while. Um, eventually, eventually I was all stitched up and they put on my chest and I was in recovery for, I think five or six hours. And in that time, um, I had my dad come in and my mum was with me. Um, my little sister came and visited and this was, this part is all still such a blur to me. Um, and then finally got my own room and... Yeah, I got to actually meet him properly. I got to look at his face and hold him and cuddle him and feed him and, yeah. Yeah, and did you sort of have a name picked out for him already and what was that sort of next few hours like after, I guess, the initial shock started to wear off? How were you feeling after that? Um, honestly, the first – I was in hospital for four days – uh, yeah. Five days, sorry. And the whole hospital experience, just because I what I'd been through was just awful. Um, the hospital was great. It was just my mental health was really bad in the hospital. Mm. I, um, I, yeah, it was just nothing, nothing like what I imagined it would have been like. You, you know, usually you're not the patient. You're usually just in there because you've just haven't you've just had a baby and they're just looking after you but I um because of the damage I couldn't sit up I couldn't Mm. stand up I couldn't um I couldn't get comfortable I had a physio like teaching me how to walk again um and on day three I think it was I stood up and walked about 10 steps and blacked out and um, for about five minutes and woke up to like 15 nurses and doctors all around. Um, so yeah, the first few days I was just in constant shock. Um, I was happy. I was really happy, but I think, yeah, the shock and the trauma just really, really impacted the first, the first few days. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because of that, did you find that you sort of struggled to bond with your baby or what did you find that experience like? I had a lot of guilt um, about the way the birth went and the fact that I didn't hold him um, when they went to place him on me. I didn't hold him because I, you know, I was so dizzy and I was drifting in and out of consciousness that I was Mm. just scared that I was going to drop him. So I've accepted now that it was just my motherly instincts just kicking in. Um, but at the time I had a lot of guilt. So I think that probably affected the bond a wee bit. Yeah. Um, but now, now like long-term it definitely hasn't affected our bond. Yeah. Yeah. And so once we sort of moved past the hospital stay, did you end up just going home from there? Yeah. Yeah. I went home. Um, I, didn't really want visitors. Um, I had my granddad and my auntie visit me in hospital and I just had the biggest panic attack. So I just said, okay, no visitors. Um, 
I was going between my mum and my dad's house, which was really good. Um, but yeah, just went home and going home was, was actually quite scary to leave the hospital, but it definitely, mm. it was definitely good to get into my own space. Um, yeah. And, you know, have that alone time and that bonding time. Yeah. Yeah. And how were you going with breastfeeding once you got home? Breastfeeding was one of the hardest parts um, of motherhood so far um, because I couldn't sit up in the bed. I it, I found it really hard to latch him. Mm. I had um, some questionable um, advice from the hospital <laughs> lactation consultants. Um, at one point, they just looked at me and one of the ladies looked at me and said, are you sure you want to breastfeed? Like, are you sure? Um you know you can you can just give him formula and I was like no like I I want to breastfeed um he was mixed fed um in the hospital they didn't really give me a choice they said oh you know it's two in the morning he's crying like he's hungry give him some formula which um looking back now you know I probably should have put my foot down but yeah so he was mixed fed for the first two or three weeks I was using nipple shields. I had really bad damage. Um, I had the latch was just completely wrong. Um, but I eventually found the most amazing lactation consultant who came to my house like over 10 times. Um, I was just so determined to breastfeed. And I think half the reason was because of the guilt from the birth. I felt mm. like I had failed him. I felt like my body had failed him. I was like, come on, you can do this one thing for him. So I was just determined, which looking back now was really, I should have put myself first in that situation. Um, you know, a fed baby is a, is a happy baby. Um, so yeah, we mixed fed, which was fine. Um, the formula was, I was really confused about how to do, how to make the bottles and make the right amounts. Yeah. And it was stressing me out. Yeah. But then I was also stressed out, like, is he getting enough milk from me? Um, which he was, that was fine. But yeah, so I saw a lactation consultant who was an absolute lifesaver. Um, we had, when he was two weeks old, he went a long time without doing a bowel motion. Um, and we later found out six months later, that was because he's dairy intolerant. Um, mm. So yeah, so for the first six months, I kept saying to the doctors like, that he had mucousy stools and he had blood and he had rashes. He was unsettled and they're like, no, like it's this or it's this. Um, so yeah, I found out he's dairy intolerant, which I've had, just had to cut out all dairy from my diet, which has been really hard because I love ice cream and chocolate. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's getting easier now. And we're 14 months into breastfeeding and, I've had mastitis twice, um, but that's probably, yeah. Apart from that, it's been now that now that we've sorted all the issues out, it's really, it's really good. I'm glad that I stuck with it. Yeah, yeah, cool. And what about your, I guess, physical recovery from birth? I know that you said that you had like quite an intense um, surgery after your birth. So do you want to take us through what your physical recovery has been like? Yeah, so I keep saying to the doctors that um, I just didn't feel right. Um, 
that the pain, I couldn't walk. Um, I was on some pretty intense painkillers, but I still couldn't, I, I, I literally just couldn't walk. Like I, mm. you know, um, so eventually um, the hospital agreed to see me and they were like, oh, like we've stitched you too tight or too mm. many stitches or I don't know really what the deal was but the stitching was just because at the time you know he was um all the stitches kept coming undone he I guess he probably did too many or so that explains you know why the pain I was in in the hospital to the point where I couldn't walk or I couldn't sit up on the bed that it kind of made sense um right I think everyone just thought I was being quite dramatic which I know it sounds dramatic um but yeah so they talked about surgery um, and I said, I don't want to go um, back into hospital. I I had quite a few infections um, after having him involving hospital stays and doctor's appointments. And after the trauma, I just didn't want to go back into mm-hmm. a, um, a hospital for surgery. So I just said, how about we just wait um, and see how it goes? So... I did physio. I um, I weaned off my medication at six months uh, when he was six months old, which it's quite a long time to be taking medication. Um, and now um, I think everything is definitely a lot better. Um, luckily, yeah, luckily I didn't get well. The surgery probably would have fixed it, but it would have been another six week recovery. And, you know, being a single mum and having an active baby, it just would have been really hard. Mm. Um, So I've, yeah, I'm still getting physio. Um, Surgery is still on the cards for the future. But at the moment, I just, I just want to leave it. I don't think I'm really mentally ready to Mm. go through that sort of similar experience again. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I guess on that, so how's your mental health been, um, I guess, since your birth and obviously trying to process that traumatic experience and did you experience the baby blues and, yeah, what's your emotional recovery been like? Um, it's been really up and down, honestly. Um, the first few months were definitely the hardest. Um, I was really lonely. I had that guilt and I cut off all my friends I cut off all my family um I I um was never diagnosed with anything um but I did get referred to the Plunkett prenatal adjustment program and I just wasn't ready to talk they the most amazing lady came over and I said oh no I'm fine and just sort of brushed it off um so the there were people there ready to listen and ready to help but I just wasn't ready to accept the help Mm. Um, so in the hospital, definitely got the baby blues day three and day, day two and day three. I just cried and cried and cried, um, probably past the point of normal. Um, Mm. it was just, it was overwhelming. I had, you know, I had so many people in my room. I had the physio, I had the lactation consultant. I had my mum. I had my dad. I had people wanting to come and visit and, you know, it was just really overwhelming. Um, but. In saying that, I remember one day the physio was in my room and she was, you know, trying to help me stand up and 
Roman was asleep in the bassinet and I just kept looking at him and going, okay, like I can do this for him. I need to do this for him. So as much as, you know, I was feeling really depressed and secluded, he was definitely my rock to keep on going and still is. Um, Sometimes I find it really hard to talk about and you can probably notice even on the call before my voice was all shaky. I was trying not to have a panic attack. Um, So... Yeah, it's definitely been rocky. Um, When people talk about their birth or ask me about my birth, sometimes it's really upsetting. I just don't really go into details. Um, And as much as I'm really happy for everyone else that's having amazing births, I sort of like shut it off and try and protect myself as much as I can from other people's experiences yeah and how do you sort of I guess what's been your coping strategy to process that birth trauma has there been anything that's really helped you I would say talking um even if it's not talking to anyone I wrote down my birth story in my notes like 13 times (laughs) like just wrote it down um and I noticed each each time I wrote it down it was a little bit different um because it's all so much of a blur still mm. um so I think yeah talking even if it's just to your notes <laughs> um I'm quite open about it like on Instagram I think if I help other people it definitely helps me I've had people mm. reach out and say that you know sharing my story helps them or um people have you know came to me for advice and things like that and I think just knowing that I'm helping even just one other person definitely helps helps me heal and feel like I just didn't go through it you know obviously not for nothing but you know that I can sort of help other people from my Mm. bad experience yeah yeah that makes sense and I guess if we sort of just talk about how you've found um adjusting to motherhood and I know that you're a single mum and um you're obviously quite young as well so I know there's other listeners out there who are probably in a really similar situation to you so do you want to take us through how you've found that adjustment and how you've made other friends that are mums and yeah, just what's your life like now? Yeah, honestly, um, if I can do it, you can do it. Like my -hmm. life before him was just nothing. Um, you know, it just consisted of going out in the weekends and hanging out with friends, being carefree, no responsibility. I, I was a really selfish person, always put myself first um, and that changes overnight or changes when you feel pregnant really. Um, but you just adjust, you just, it just happens. It happens so naturally. Um, and if it doesn't, that's okay as well. Like you will, you will learn, you learn with your baby. I think Mm. not listening to anyone else, um, is (laughs) probably the most important thing. Um, your mum gut is just as so real you always hear it when you're pregnant but it really is um you're so in in tune with your baby and you know you you're capable of so much more than you know um and yeah making making mum friends is amazing um the prenatal classes there's plunket classes um uh we go to like baby sensory classes we've just started um play center um instagram i've met so many instagram mums um who live in different cities but we all just connect and um there's definitely definitely a lot of mums out there that are always keen to make new mum friends 
Um, So that adjustment is hard, but there's always support um, and that's really important um, to make sure you have the support and yeah. 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 Awesome. Cool. And is there anything else that you'd like to share with us, I guess, about your pregnancy or your birth journey or um, your journey as a mum? I think just following your gut. um, I, looking back now, if I could change anything, it would be to do more research um, on birth, like the forceps, episiotomy, um, the von Tuss, just get familiar with it. Um, even if you don't end up, you know, needing any intervention, it's just good to yeah. sort of know know about it. Um, yeah. Uh, hmm, what else? I think, you know, I'm the complete opposite of a mum to what I thought I would be. I thought that I would um, have my son sleeping in a cot every night and um, be in preschool, you know, when he turned six months or a year just for me to get some alone time. And I'm, you know, I co-sleep and I am still breastfeeding and, you know, I'm hoping to keep him home with me for two or three years. So I think just go with the flow. Um, don't set, don't set unrealistic expectations of yourself, and just be kind to yourself. Yeah, awesome. I think that's great advice. Thanks, Jess, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your journey with us. I know um, it probably wasn't easy for you to cast your mind back to your birth experience and talk us through it. So I really appreciate you taking the time and and um, talking with us tonight. So thank you. Cool. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your feedback. So either leave a review on the podcast app that you're listening on or head to our Instagram at Kiwi Birth Tales and leave a comment there. If you're interested in sharing your birth tale, then please head to the Instagram page and use the email link to get in touch. Thanks again for listening. I really look forward to sharing the next episode with you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.